This is episode 29 of The Kingdom Is Here. This week we are very blessed and very glad to have with us a man of God who is um, joining us as a guest on this podcast, uh, Reverend Poe, who's going to just talk and tell us a little bit about himself, a little bit about his, his passions and his thoughts and take on the kingdom of God here and now. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure, Pastor. I'm glad to be here. And maybe we can share some things that will be useful, helpful for our listening audience. You asked me to say something about myself. This, uh, what I do now is, of course, I'm a teacher, a professor and a teacher in the Bible school. Uh, and I came out of a university setting. I spent the first 25 years of my life and career in university settings. And so uh, I was in church, but church wasn't really in me. So the Lord uh, waylaid me somewhere along the line and said, you, you need to you know, devote yourself to the things of God. So uh, I kind of switched careers in midstream. And since that time, I've been involved with the, uh, the work of the church in, in a number of capacities, some of administrative. Uh, most of it is where I'm actually doing some work or working with people and trying to help people and do that kind of thing. Uh, at the present time, I am, uh, of course, a teacher here at ABI. That's one of my passions, of course, is teaching. Probably the most encompassing passion is to teach because I teach in several different dimensions or different areas. And here at the Bible School, they, they have a, a block system of courses so you can go three hours a day for three weeks and cover 45 contact hours, which gives you flexibility to finish up something and get out and do something else. And, that's nice, so I don't have to uh, correspond. Since I live in Louisiana and St. Paul is, uh, you know, 1,200 plus miles away, I don't have to commute daily <laughs> to, to be able to do that. Uh, so I, I teach a number of different courses here, ranging from human growth and development and educational psychology or personality theory uh, to Bible courses, of which I, this time I'm teaching major prophets. Uh, the book of Hebrews, I teach that, and also in hermeneutics. So I have a range of, of topics that I, I cover, and I'm thankful for the opportunity. A second passion of mine is um, what I call OCA, or the Occupational Chaplains Association, and that's another course that I offer here at ABI is, uh, is chaplaincy. And with chaplaincy, what we're trying to do is encourage young people to get involved with spiritual and pastoral caregiving, because there's so many... Uh, so many people that really need help in their personal development, in their uh, situations of trauma, a lot of wounded spirits and that kind of thing. And probably the, one of the greatest opportunities that we have in the church in terms of working with people is to try to meet them at their point of need. When they are going through trauma or whether it's in the military and the most common problem there is PTSD. Uh, and they, they, But other things as well. I mean. We just had a country that's about a third of the country, at least, has been affected by a hurricane. Mm -hmm. A hurricane came into Louisiana, devastated New Orleans, and went right up the eastern seaboard and dumped tons of water in, in some of those uh, foreign cities like New York and New Jersey. Uh, and those people have no electricity. They have flooded homes and basements. Their cars have been underwater. That's trauma. Yeah. Uh, and they need somebody that'll come alongside of them and, and give them a shoulder to cry on or help them understand. 
Uh, there's a lot to be said for psychiatry because the, the people in the hospitals have learned that if you incorporate spirituality with uh, wholeness or wellness, people get well faster. Mm -hmm. That's well documented, you know, that people do better when somebody cares is basically what we would say. So that's the second area that, that I'm involved in. And I do teach a number of courses around the country where I can uh, certify people and get them involved in training and let them become endorsed as trainers uh, or as chaplains in um, the United Pentecostal Church because it is an endorsed ministry. The uh, third area of my passion, uh, again, is teaching because, and that's what we call the Global Association of Theological Studies. I know that's a big fancy term. We just call it GATS. Right. But what we really do there is we develop curriculum and provide courses and books that can be taught in our Bible schools around the world. We have missionaries in probably 180, maybe 200 nations, and sometimes there are a number of Bible schools there, and almost without fail, each one of those started out with someone who went there and developed a curriculum for a Bible school, because hmm. teaching is the prime way in which you can get people into uh, the, the things of God, the Bible, and Bible studies, and so forth. Uh, so we decided about 15 years ago that it would be good to have a standard curriculum that could be provided for all the Bible schools anywhere in the world. And so we began working at that, and we've developed curriculum at four different levels for uh, almost all of our Bible schools who want to subscribe to it. We're in the process of translating all this material into languages, which is a major problem. And the last two languages that we just started on this year is Hindi, and Arabic, wow. which, which, as you know, with the Arabic world the way it is, and we just happen to have a little missionary girl here right now that's, I was talking to her about the Arabic, and she, she's having problems with that sort of thing. So if they could get material in their own language, that would be very important. So those are the, sort of my three passions uh, at the present time that occupy most of my time. That's, now, yeah, so, I was going to say that sounds like a lot to occupy your time with. <laughs> it, is. it is very much so very much so yeah wonderful yeah my kingdom concern and you're talking about kingdom is here the kingdom concern that i have uh, when i view the situation around us has to do with the church particularly the mystical body of christ because that's oftentimes not really understood just for what it is they say the body of christ they think of a church church assembly any number of things but there is a mystical body of christ that when people who know Christ and Christ knows them when they come together the kingdom is here yeah. I mean there's three of us here but the kingdom is right here right now yeah. uh, and and that's something I think we need to realize uh, as we go along and one of the things that I've been dealing with this year particularly is trying to work with the Holy Spirit uh, the Spirit the Lord gave us in John 14 he talks about the Spirit is sent to lead you and guide you into all truth uh, but it does a number of other things, too. And, and so I think of it in terms of working with the Holy Spirit to kind of integrate uh, the spiritual gifts, integrate authority, integrate operations, and so forth into the 21st century church. Hmm. It's not something that's way back in Bible times. It's the here and now. Yeah. Uh, because the kingdom is vibrant. It's living. It's, it's pulsing at the present time. <clears throat> And just in way of, of passing, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, the Lord made this statement, Be ye therefore perfect, mm. uh, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. 
Uh, and that word perfect there coming from the Greek, it doesn't mean without flaw or without anything like that. It means simply uh, being entire or being complete. So what he wants in his people in the church and the kingdom is to be complete. And Paul later on said this in the scripture, ye are complete in him. So the only way we can be completed is if we allow the Holy Spirit to do what's necessary in us to bring the kingdom to the here and now. Uh, I think this is very urgent uh, because in the end times, men are very, very confused. There's so much confusion in the world today as to what's going on. And in Isaiah 5 and, and 20, verse 20, uh, he one of his woes was, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. But he didn't stop there. He said, And put darkness for light and light for darkness. So there's a, a flip side to each one of those coins. And the third one he mentioned is that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I don't think we have to look too far in our world to see people doing that exact thing. They, they are, they're doing exactly what he's calling for. So it's impossible to be good without God. And yet the Harvard has just appointed a chaplain who is an atheist. Harvard. Think about that. Harvard. I'm trying to wrap my mind off around how that works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harvard, uh, that school was founded as a religious institution yeah. back when the, our country was settled. It was one of the very first religious institutions. It was designed to train people for the ministry, train people for chaplain's work and so forth. And now they have hired a chaplain who's more than just a chaplain. He's a chief chaplain. He's the head over 40 other men that serve as chaplains on the campus and around the area there. Uh, and he is an atheist. He said, you can be good without God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wrap your mind around that. Yeah. That's, that, that takes some work to do. And, uh, Ken Ham said, it's like the blind leading the blind. You know, it's, oh, yeah. uh, uh, and once it was a Christian, but now they've turned their back on that. You talk about confused. They're calling bitter sweet, the sweet bitter, uh, you know, and, and the, the kind of thing we were saying there, you know, just uh, good for evil and evil for good. Another aspect of this whole thing is uh, it's precise in, in purpose for perfecting the saints. We've got to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry, as we would say later. Uh, we need to integrate and look at the kingdom now because it is trying to utilize our endowments. Uh, the, the Holy Ghost does not come with just an, an idea or something. It comes with power. It comes with uh, I say endowments or enablements and we know about the gifts of the spirit of course that's given to the New Testament church but there's a lot more than that as it turns out and it's all by the Holy Ghost uh, some of them are given some of the gifts are said to be gifts of the spirit we talk about miracles and tongues interpretations prophecies and these and Paul in, in Corinthians mentions that, that it's the gifts of the Holy Ghost but we also have gifts of the Father uh, if you look at Romans chapter 8, he talks about the gifts that God has put in the church. Now, this almost sounds Trinitarian, but it's not. <laughs> His gifts that I, God... I trust you, yeah. <laughs> God, we expunged that. Yeah. <laughs> that God has put in the church. And, and then, of course, in Ephesians chapter 4, we have another area, and I'll maybe cover those a little bit more detail. But uh, these are gifts of a resurrected Savior. So you have gifts of the Holy Ghost, you have gifts of the Father, you have gifts of the Son. Hmm. Uh, and they are for a purpose, they are for the kingdom now. They're, they're to promote that kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, uh, as it should be. But my concern, and one of the things that I've been teaching a lot this year, is every church needs to be whole. 
and they need to be well. Hmm. And wholeness and wellness are two different things. Uh, it's, it's quite possible. I, I believe a body or a, a church can be whole but not well. You know, you can have all the pieces in place. Uh, you can look at a picture puzzle on the table. You can have all the pieces there, but it doesn't tell you much if it's just laid out. But they're all there. It's whole, but it's not completely well. On the other hand, I, I believe that a body or an individual can be well, be sound, but not whole. We have people that have come back from the war that have their limbs you know, fractured and, and blown off and that sort of thing. They're well, they can walk, and they can climb stairs, they can do all kinds of things, but they're not whole. And I think in, in kingdom thinking, we need to look at the church and how can I get my church whole? How can I get it well? And when you go back to all those trauma, those uh, those wounded spirits that's there, uh, you can see how that kind of pulls together. Yeah. Uh, and so what I'm concerned about is trying to uh, work in that line to integrate our spiritual gifts, our authority, uh, and operations into that, that church that is entire and complete. Isaiah chapter 1 and, and verse 5, and of course we've been studying Isaiah, so... Uh, I use Isaiah a lot because he says a lot of good things. And he says this in verse 5, Why should you be stricken anymore? He's talking to, of course, uh, uh, Judea, or Judah. He said, Will you revolt more and more? The whole head is sick. You're sick in the head when you turn against God. You're sick in the head when you try to do something on your own. He said, And the whole heart, notice he used the words whole, the whole heart, complete heart, fully heart, is faint. He said, and from the sole of your foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds, bruises, and putrefying sores that have not been closed, neither bound up, nor mollified with ointment. Hmm. You know, and you look at that. I, I have a, a grandson, my oldest grandson, is a Down syndrome child. Uh, he's 20 years old now. Uh, he's mute. He can't speak. He makes noises. He makes sounds. And he's learned uh, all probably a hundred or more signs from sign languages. You know, he can make signs. He's very sloppy with it, but uh, mm -hmm. his sign from music is like that. You know, uh, but he, he's not whole. He, he's well enough. He's got a healthy body. And even when he was born, of course, most Down syndrome children are low birth weight. They have cardiovascular problems. They have pulmonary problems. And they put them through all sorts of things. They put him through all kinds of tests. He was born at eight pounds. Now that's not a small one. You know, there's no low birth weight there. You know, and they tried to find the best they could do. Try to find something wrong with him. They could find nothing physically wrong with him. He's healthy. He's strong. He can do anything he wants to. The only problem he doesn't have much want to. He doesn't know. He's not well. His mind is dysfunctional. So you can see the picture. And I think we have churches that's kind of that way. They're going through the motions, and they're whole, but they're not well. They, they, there's some things that they need to look at in the kingdom. You know, what in the kingdom makes us well? I'm trying to adapt it to your theme a little bit here as we go along. Uh, and it was for that reason there are missing parts, there are missing body parts. So wholeness and wellness are two concepts that really doesn't go along with the church. When you think about it, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Did he build a faulty church? No. Did he build an unhealthy church? Sometimes we probably get unhealthy if we don't take care of our bodies. Uh, we, we will have problems. I think there are some marks of a well-built church. And, and, and some of these marks, for example, I think a well-built church is first authorized. It's an authorized church. Because he said to his disciples, I want you to go into all the world 
I want you to do this. I want you to baptize people, convert people, teach them, train them. So it's an authorized church. It's also an invincible church. He said the gates of hell cannot stand against it, will not come against it and succeed. It's invincible. We don't treat our churches as invincible. You know, we're, we're uh, well, let me stop and go on. Uh, a well-built church is no, equipped. That's good. That's good. <laughs> a well-built church is equipped. They have all the things they need. You know, that my hand is well equipped. See, put it up the camera. My hand is well equipped. I've got all the fingers I need to do what God intended. There are people that have six of them. They're weirdos. <laughs> they have six digits on one hand on their feet. And then there are some that have lost a finger or something. They're not whole. They may be well or they can use that hand. But I, I knew a man one time didn't have a thumb. If you don't have a thumb on your hand, uh, I defy you to pick up a BB off the floor. But I wouldn't have trouble. I could get a needle off the floor or I could pick a BB up. No problem, because I've got a thumb. But you take that thumb away, you're not whole. And the same thing in the church, the body of Christ in the kingdom. If there's a missing part there mm -hmm. that God wants to make it whole, you have to have that part. Uh, I had a friend one time that was telling me, you know, he had started a small church in district and he said, I, I really need some people in leadership positions. And there was a guy that was fairly faithful, and he was an educated man. He said, I'm going to just make him the uh, superintendent of my Sunday school. And he said, what do you think about that? And I said, I don't think much of the idea at all. You know? The Bible says if you like something, you ask God for it. And I said, it, it's okay to... Uh, you know, assign somebody a position and talk them into taking a position, but how do you take it away from them if the time comes? And is that going to be good for him? And that sort of thing. Well, he didn't listen to me when they hadn't put the man in anyway. And, of course, it was not good for the man. You know, because, because when God needs somebody in the body to make it whole, he can bring it. Yeah. And if you think about it, that's exactly why Paul uh, sent Timothy to Ephesus. There were some things lacking at Ephesus, so he said, I want you to go there and take care of that. Hmm. So he went. He sent Titus to Crete, of all places. Crete was one of the most ungodly places that you ever could go to. He said, I want you to go down there and talk to those Cretans, <laughs> that bunch of infidels down there, and, and teach, teach them and put, put in place what's lacking. You know? And so the Lord has equipped the church. I guess that's what I'm saying. The Lord has equipped the church to to do that. He's spiritually empowered the church to minister. And I was just telling my class earlier today, it, it's, it's not just a person up there talking. If they are using the scripture and they are anointed of God or ordained to speak, hey, that's the Lord himself speaking. Just like in Jeremiah we were talking about, he was the prophet. They needed to listen to him. And the false prophet was saying, don't listen to him, he doesn't know what he's talking about. You better listen when God, why? Because the church is spiritually equipped to do and say those things that's necessary. So we, we also can see the ministering of wholeness and wellness. And to me, that is, that is ministered to converts who are willing to listen. And not everybody is. The Bible talks about he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirits say to the churches. Uh, so there are, there are distinctions in our ministries. Okay, uh, I think the apostolic view is that there is a, there's a source of wholeness 
And I want to talk about that just a little bit. In Corinthians uh, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6, uh, Paul says it this way to those people. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. So the gifts are unified by the Spirit. Uh, and then in verse 5, he said, but there are differences of administration. Uh, that word there from, from the Greek is like a deacon, diakonia, an attendant or a servant. He said, but the same Lord. So in the first case, he's talking about spirit. Now he's talking about the Lord who authorized the spirit. So it's a step removed, if you will, from where you were. These are attendant service that are unified under the Lord because that word Lord is, is kurios, or means master. Uh, and then the third verse there, chapter, or verse 6, there, there are diversities of operation. And then another word, inerma, uh, which is really in effect, and so he said, all these are in the church for that wholeness. That's what makes you whole. You, you have more than just the gifts of the Spirit to operate. Uh, you have administration to help them operate and to keep it in order. That was the problem, as you know, with the church in Corinth, is they, they were so disorderly and so out of order, and, and the Spirit couldn't do that. But So the gifts are issued by the Holy Ghost. They're supernatural, they're extraordinary, uh, and we admire them. Sometimes we almost idolize them. And we shouldn't do that. Uh, we should look at the Lord that gave them. And let them do what they're meant to do and move on. Uh, but they are meant to help us with whole. Authority, though, for proper administration is from the Lord himself. He said to Paul, let all things be done decently and in order. I don't care what the gifts of the Spirit do. And Paul said, if everybody's speaking in tongues, what good is that? You need to settle down one or two speak in tongues and let somebody else interpret it. If there's no interpreter, get off in the corner and edify yourself and have a ball. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. What he's doing is trying to make wellness in the church. Wholeness and wellness. Very important. And of course, then the operations are set in the church by God. So we can make some conclusions based on this. Uh, the spiritual gifts alone were not sufficient. You needed more than just the spiritual gifts to establish the church. You had to strengthen and settle, get it in an order. And, and Paul talks a lot in 1 Corinthians about, for example, the Lord's Supper, how you conduct that, how you can't leave people out. You can't, because some people are affluent and they have they bring potluck to supper and the other people are starving to death. They don't have but a crust of bread. You can't just, you see what he's talking about there? He's, I want wholeness and wellness as we go along. Uh, so the gifts alone are not sufficient to that because Corinth had them. They had the gifts. In fact, you, you learn more about the gifts of the Spirit in Corinth than anywhere else in the New Testament. Uh, and yet they were far from being well. I would say they were whole because they had that. But what they lacked was, of course, the proper administration of them. And so Paul set out to put that right. They also had apostles. Because remember, one of their issues was the disunity between I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, you know, I'm, I'm of Cephas. And so it wasn't because they didn't lack apostles they had them but they didn't know how they fit together to make wholeness and wellness uh, and so what we're thinking about here is trying to integrate the the gifts of the spirit with the organization of the church organization of the kingdom the kingdom is going to be organized yeah it's going to be very organized and the lord said if you're uh, how does he say that? he said if you're faithful over the little things i'll make you ruler over many things and those Jews knew that if they were faithful, he would make them ruler over cities, over things like this. So uh, they knew that organization was coming. 
So it's a very important concept uh, as we go along the wisdom and teaching of the doctrine of the Word of God to create order and to foster a sense of responsibility and unity. Because the problem in, in the Corinth, I, I think there's two problems there. One is disunity, because one said, I'm Paul, I'm the host, I'm somebody else, I'm somebody else. So there's disunity and there was carnality. Because they were they were very carnal, they were spirit-filled people, but they were practicing <laughs> a sin, ungodliness, and fornication, and all these things that Paul uh, talks to them about. Uh, he goes on to talk about the manifestation of the Spirit in in, in chapter twelve, verses eight through ten. He said, "By one is given the Spirit, this word of wisdom, and that sort of thing." So those can be elaborated for us, and then the ascension gifts, as we call them. Because when the Lord went back in Ephesians chapter 4, when the Lord went back in his ascension, he gave gifts to his church. And those gifts were apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they each had a function, a special purpose that they had there. But all of them together for wholeness and wellness, he said, I want you to perfect the saints. And we started out with 548 in Matthew, where be ye therefore perfect. Now, he, and the Lord has made the condition by which we can be comforted. But we in the church and the kingdom now, we've got to teach that. We've got to preach that. We've got to wrap our minds around it to the point where we can actually see our people developing to become whole and become well. In verse 12 of Ephesians 4, he said, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, perfecting them to work the ministry, and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So these ministers were so very important to the church for their wellness and wholeness. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 28, uh, he kind of packages this together a little bit. He said, these were set in the church, and God, let me read it for you, and God set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. Now we said these were operations, okay? They were operations for wholeness. Uh, and then he goes on, after that, miracles, gifts of healings. These are spiritual gifts by the Holy Ghost for wellness. See how he's putting it together? Sure, yeah. And then the same verse of Scripture, he said, then there are helps, governments, and these are administrations. A church without a pastor is a body or assembly without a head. It's not going to work. You need somebody there. As, as what Truman said, the book stops here. <laughs> right. Somebody has to sign off on things. And then he comes back to another gifts of the Spirit. He said diversities of tongues. So in that one verse, he shows us how it comes together. And Paul, I don't know if he meant for all of that to be there, but there's something else. Uh, and then, of course, in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, we find the other things where he said things like this. If you, if you have a ministry, uh, let us wait on our ministry. If you have prophecy, let us give that prophecy. If he's teaching on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, or he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. Not with grandiose show, you know, here's my thousand dollar check, you know, I'm going to put that in there, whatever. No, no, he didn't, he didn't say that. He that giveth do it with simplicity, ruleth with diligence. So he, he not only tells you what you need to be whole, but he tells you how you ought to behave in order to be whole. Pretty neat, no? Yeah. I thought you should tell my kids, you know, how to behave so they could be considered behave. <laughs> yeah. What does that behavior look like? Yeah, that's what right. you say. You need to behave. Yeah, what is well, it? Like? I can behave poorly. 
and I'm yeah. behaving. You yeah. Know. Yeah. And most most kids don't know these days what behavior really is. Sure. So whatever they do is acceptable. Uh, and then he goes on to say something I think that's very useful for us, and that is uh, we are all part of one body. We're all members of one body. And he illustrates this by, by using the body members, the hand and the foot and the eye and the ear and stuff like this. Uh, and, and he said all the members do not have the same office or same function. If you don't have all the members, of course, you can't be well. Or you can't be whole. You might be well, but you can't be whole. Uh, I guess if you had a lobotomy, it would be a little bit hard to be, be considered well or whole. <laughs> but uh, uh, they, they don't exercise the same function. But, uh, and he said, the eye, what's the eye good for? Well, the eye sees. It's not supposed to hear. I don't hear anything with my eye. Sometimes I might read some things into it. If I can read lips or something, I might do that. The eyes see. They don't hear. They don't taste. They don't smell. You know, the ear only hears, but uh, it doesn't see or taste or smell. Uh, the tongue and the palate taste sweet, sour, bitter, these kinds of things. Uh, the nose runs and the feet stink. You know, <laughs> no, I got that backwards. <laughs> feet run and the nose, I mean, the nose, uh, the nose supposed to smell and the feet supposed to, to, uh, to walk and run. Uh, and the hand is handy, let's face it, you know. So the Lord has equipped the church like he equipped the body. Some people are more dexterous than others. Uh, I've seen these kids, it's amazing. I, I said the other day to somebody, I said, we used to speak in tongues, but now we speak in thumbs. Got <laughs> <laughs> people with these, these cell phones, they can talk in, in thumbs yeah. faster than I can speak. Some, that's what it looks like when I text sometimes. It's, <laughs> yeah. I need an interpreter. <laughs> yeah, I, I text like this, you know, uh, just yeah. hunt and peck, yeah, yeah. kind of the way I do it. So the church has some abiding qualities that's very important to us in the kingdom for here and now. And Paul said in, in Corinthians 13, there abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three. Now he's talking to the New Testament church, not just Corinth. Uh, he just got through with that discourse on love, how important love was, the most important of all these gifts. Uh, but he said uh, faith, hope, and charity, and the most important is that of charity. And the reason he says that, I think, he said, because from charity, all other things take their function. If I do something for you, pastor, uh, because you're my pastor, because you demand it, and I don't love it, what good is it? So what we need to do in terms of bringing the kingdom in now is to make sure we're in a loving relationship with people and helping them do those things. Uh, the church in, Thess in the Corinth gets a lot of attention because of the gifts of the Spirit, but there's another New Testament church, and that's Thessalonians, that I'd like to talk about just a little bit, and then we'll, we'll close this out. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, it, it tells us a little bit about what's going on there. Beginning with verse 19, it starts out with quenching off the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Well, if the Holy Spirit brings all these gifts to you, and you quench it, what good is it? You're not well. See, you're not well. You may be whole, but you're not well. You can't quench the spirit. So uh, evidently, the Thessalonians were quenching the spirit. They weren't letting the spirit have free reign like it needs to do. Uh, and then verse 20 said, "Despise not prophesying." Well, there's another one of the gifts, yeah. prophecy, and they're despising it. You can't do that. You're, you're not health, not healthy. You're not well. You're not whole if you're not following that whole order of the kingdom, so to speak. I like your theme, by the way, the idea of kingdom now. 
uh, it fits in very well. And then verse 21, he said, prove all things. There's got to be a way that we can come to this issue. In, in the previous class, one of my students asked, how do you know when it's false prophet and when it's real prophet? Because they were dealing with Jeremiah. He was saying, this is what the Lord says. The false prophet was saying, well, this is what the Lord says. How did the people know which one to listen to? And the bottom line is, all I could tell them, they didn't know. They had to just weigh it all out and look around and see what was happening and judge based on that. But he says, prove all things, and then you hold fast that which is right. When you see the right thing to do, you latch on to that. You hang on to that. And I think in our churches, we sometimes do this. We maybe experiment a little bit with this or that or the other. Sometimes in our worshiping, we'll say, I want to try this person to worship this person to worship this person. And two of them are dead. I mean, they're just flat. Nothing happens. But the third person really excites the crowd. There's something about their approach to worship. That's the person you're going to want to use, you know, because they're able to get a flow of the Spirit going with them. That kind of thing. In verse uh, 23, he said, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Whole, W-H-O. See, that wholeness again. You need to be sanctified completely, entirely, wholly. Not just well, but sanctified. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, spirit, soul, be preserved blameless. Now, <laughs> a couple of observations here. First of all, receiving and accepting the supernatural work of the gifts is necessary to be wholly sanctified. You will not be whole with just the gifts operating. Corinth wasn't good church, thriving church, but corrupt full of carnality, full of sin. That's got to be weeded out. You can't have that. You can't have an assembly like that. Now, in this case, I think Paul is saying you cannot be sanctified and hold the inhibitions in that list. You can't be sanctified and despise prophesying. You can't be sanctified you know, and quench the Spirit. You're going to have to do something better than that. The second observation we can make is the Scripture shows that the Thessalonians had a whole lot going for them, but they had a lot of limitations as well. And if you, if you glance through uh, the writings there, they had turned to God from idols, for example. Uh, and, and that's different from turning from idols to God. No. They had found a better way, so they turned from their idols and embraced a better way. That's what we have to do. We, as a church, we have to look for the better way that God wants us to move in our communities, in our areas. And then we have to see, is the wellness, is that healing my people? Is it helping my people? Or is that just something that puts a burden on them, that they've got to contend with all those kind of things? Uh, they had a work of faith and a labor of love and a patience of hope, faith, hope, and charity. Remember that. What did they lack? What did they lack? And if you, you follow through with all the things that Paul said to them, when you go through all these various things, uh, what was really lacking, of course, they were fearful because the people were dying off. And they had been taught by Paul the first time he came through there that the Lord is going to come and he's going to take us all out of here. And what they were doing, they were burying their COVID patients. <laughs> they were burying a lot of the people that just were dying off on them. And so they were alarmed about it. If the Lord's coming back, what about these people that are dying? Well, Paul answered that question for them in chapter 4, the first one, verse 13. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, he said, calls them, concerning them which are asleep. He, called, he didn't call it death, he called them asleep. Um, that you saw or not, even as others that have no hope. Mm -hmm. You see, they had love, 
they had faith, but they needed hope. So he is ministering to their wellness, to their wholeness, by giving them hope. Here is the hope, and this is a beautiful thing. It does for the church today, too. For if we believe that Christ died, or Jesus died and rose again, so them which to sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you, by the word that the Lord is alive and remain, the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Why did he give that to those people? Because they had faith and charity, but they had lost hope. So he is working to make wellness, you see, goodness to them. Mm-hmm. Is all this making sense? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's, yes, it, it is. Yeah, and just, yeah. 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 And, and, it, and I think your, your theme of, of kingdom now has to dwell on that. Is the kingdom healing people? Mm. Or is it estranging people? Is it sending them away crippled? Mm. Or are we able to bring them in and minister to their need to the point where, and I don't believe the Lord is going to heal everybody. My wife has Alzheimer's. And I prayed that the Lord heal. But you, you were in class when the Lord said, what he did to us. And maybe he will never heal her until the other side. But even if he doesn't, he has given me grace to stand. He's given, my grace is sufficient for you to do that. So I'm still well. I'm healthy and, and I'm, I'm going on with this. And Paul talks about the affliction that you endure. Yeah. That you can then aid others in their afflictions. In their afflictions, exactly. Likewise. And, and that's, that's why I think in, in our study of a kingdom now, we need to realize how important wholeness and wellness is and work to bring the kingdom to that point. Because it's invincible. Yeah. The gates of hell can't prevail against it. But you know what? The gates of humanity are doing a pretty good job to kill some of them. <laughs> Unfortunately. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Many people have avoided the doctrine, just like this atheist chaplain at Harvard. Yeah. You know? What can he do for people? Can't do anything for people. If people need hope, they're going to have to go to the scripture to get so, that. So when Jesus says, He says, out of your bellies will flow rivers yeah. of yeah. living water. Mm-hmm. Is that is that kind of that living water does that kind of <clears throat> resonate with what it, or tie in with kind of what you're saying very much so yeah. very much so uh, the flow of the spirit is very important and there are really three flows of the spirit you could talk about how the Holy Ghost works and one of them is like a flow of water hmm. and that scripture is very dynamic here another one is a, like wind and he says that in John 3 where he said so is there a man that's born of the spirit he's like wind the wind blows where it listens you can see the see the sound or hear the sound see the effect of it and he said so is every man so the holy ghost working in us can flow like water and i think that flow the best flow there would be like love the flow of love and and what does love bring for us what does it do for us Uh, i think the chief thing that love does for us is bring compassion when I see a person, and I can't even think about it with getting, without getting emotional, I see a person that's hurting, uh, going through spiritual harm, trauma or something, uh, I have compassion on them. And, and I think if we move when that compassion touches us mm-hmm. and reach out to them, we're going to see the miracles of God. We're going to see those gifts of the Spirit operating beautifully. Mm-hmm. But if you wait, I will. I'll wait after church and pray for them. No. No, when you feel that compassion, act. Mm. Let me give you a scriptural instance. When the Lord was approaching uh, a little community of Nain, there was a widow, had no husband, 
and one son bringing her son out they were bringing him out to take him to the cemetery and the lord standing off he sees that and the scripture said plainly he had compassion on her she didn't ask for anything he wasn't even close but he had compassion on her and he went to her and said woman weep not see what i mean when when that love that he had now why would he feel love for that woman especially i tell you why i think this is my i think and of course your i think is as good as my i think in most instances i think i want to know what you think <laughs> jesus you know after that situation in luke chapter 2 where he was in the temple and they found him went back and found him you know talking to the doctors and you don't ever see joseph again i think joseph died so jesus being the oldest child had the responsibility of looking after his mother and his siblings so when he saw that widow he had a personal investment. He'd been there and done that. And he could not leave that woman with a dead son. See, that the way you have compassion for somebody. And I don't I don't mind the tears. I don't mind being emotional because that's part of the compassion. And the Lord's blessed me with that. I can feel compassion for people. And some I feel trash for them, but uh, you know, but some when I feel compassion. When you feel compassion, you want to act immediately because that's the flow of love. You're talking about that flow, you know. Uh, so there, there's that flow of love. There's a flow of wind, like flow of water, flow of wind. There's a flow of life. There's a flow of light. When the light shines on something, that illuminates it. That brings to the force and things that's there. Uh, men love darkness rather than light. See what I mean? So there's several things that, in answering your question, yeah, I, I, I think the Holy Ghost works in those dimensions for us. And that whole notion of love and compassion and how that moves us is so, I think that's so counter to culture to our culture, our society today, that is so self-focused yeah. and how that also can integrate, how that can also work its way into the church. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, where the love of yeah. Maybe it'll, it'll wax cold, and that's a sign of these last times. Yeah, sign of the last times. Yeah. yeah. But you know what I found, Pastor? Uh, when when I am in need of something, when I'm grieving of something, and I'm hurt, like my wife's got Alzheimer's now, and here I am, 1,200 miles away, and she's back home with my daughter and all that. Every night I, I go through this bit of agony there. Uh, but what I do, I find if I go to someone else and I help them, if I pray for them, I pray with them, the Lord meets my need. Mm -hmm. So when you get outside of yourself to help, like my kids in class, I mean, they're, they're you know, some of them are going through some struggles right now. And all kinds of things happen. One girl smashed her car up and she got bunged up a little bit. She's having to deal with that. So if you will reach out to others in your compassion, the Lord will reach you in his compassion. Wow. Wow. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Okay, I hope this has been useful to you and what you can do uh, with your, your Kingdom Now series. <laughs> well, I, I think it's absolutely helpful. I think it is, I mean, the amount of help that this does give us just the perspective is perspective, so yeah. so vital and the scripture that mm -hmm. comes with that perspective it's not just 
you know, years of uh, observation and wisdom. It's, it's so it's founded on the word. Yes, yes. Yeah, so you see it in the word. You see how it plays out. That, that's very important. Well, we'll wrap up. Do you have any any final thoughts or encouragements for anybody that may be listening in or anything like that? Well, I, I think the, a very very important thought here comes from John chapter three and and verse six because the Lord talks about. Uh, the Holy Ghost, and he said that which is, uh, what is spirit, his spirit, uh, God is a spirit, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, uh, and he said to Nicodemus, that which is spirit uh, is spirit, and what I, what I see in that verse of scripture there is he is awakening the spirit of man, because the spirit of man is dead because of sin, God has to awaken that, and Proverbs says this, the Spirit of man is a candle of the Lord. So if you want to be functional in the work of restoring wellness and wholeness of the church, you have to have an awakened spirit, not a slumbering spirit, not a stupor spirit or super spirit. You have to have a spirit that's awakened. And what he told John is that you must be born again if you want your spirit awakened. And that's the bottom line. Thank you for tuning in to the Kingdom is Here podcast hosted by Nathan Kirk. We appreciate the time you took to listen and are looking forward to being with you again next week. Remember your allegiance to the King and His Kingdom. And as always, we hope this was helpful.